there's no secret shame about my mother that I'm hiding or preparing to reveal here. It's really about me and the growth that I have been called to experience that my relationship with my mother highlighted. So hello everyone in Unstoppable Woman podcast land. Welcome to a conversation that I am having with my business bestie, if you will. One of my best friends in the whole entire universe. She holds an incredible place in my heart, in my soul. She is part of me and her name is Jessie Johnson, and I would like to welcome her to the, the show. She is also someone who has a parallel path to my path in terms of business journey, and she's been on this, this podcast once before, and I encourage you, we'll put the episode in the show notes. I cannot remember what episode that is, but it's worth listening back to because we had a, a rollicking good time. Mm -hmm. It was really good. Mm -hmm. And... Anyways, we both, we both were coming of age together. There's, I think like a decade of actual age between us. Uh, that being said, our, our business paths, we started in the same year and we like got to the next level and the next level and the next level right on track with each other. And we didn't actually meet each other at the beginning of that journey, but we met each other sort of halfway through, partway through and instantly glommed on to the fact that this person could get us. Okay. And, and that, that friendship has, um, changed, evolved, explored, but it's always been really, really super solid. And one of the things that we have in common is not the exact relationship with our mother, but complicated, really a complicated relationship mm. with each of our mothers. Mm. And, Although she and I have not talked about it in extraordinary depth, we've sort of talked about it occasionally. It's come up as part of other conversations. I thought it would make a fabulous topic for Mother's Day, which is coming right up. We plan to release this right before Mother's Day. And so that is our, our topic today is Jesse and I talking about our relationships with our mothers, which have been beautiful and loving and joyous and complicated also, mm -hmm. and how that has affected our lives and our businesses in the hopes that it will help you if you have a loving yet complicated relationship with your mother as well, or maybe not even a loving relationship or a loving and simple relationship, uncomplicated, but something that you want to explore with, with your mother. So that is the context. Welcome, Jesse Johnson. I am so in love with you and so in love with having you on the show and, and our topic. So welcome. Thank you so much, Amira. It's a real honor to be here. And I feel like, whoop, I mean, you couldn't have picked a topic that would demand more authenticity. You know, there's, there's, there's no way to even begin to talk about this without going very, very deep. So I just want to celebrate that that's how you show up and, 
and make sure that everybody listening knows that that that's the case that, that we're about to get like real personal and look at me squirming in my seat. Like I'm like, okay, let's get comfortable here. Uh, let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable, that's right. right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I was texting with Jesse earlier because I realized that my assistant and her assistant booked this podcast recording episode on my mother's birthday. What are the chances of that, right? I mean, and yes. I didn't get triggered, which was very exciting. <laughs> yeah. What would the trigger have been like before? Okay. Yeah. It would have been guilt and shame, guilt and shame, guilt and shame. I'm doing something wrong. I am wrong. I can't possibly talk about this relationship in public because we're supposed to have the perfect relationship. It's supposed to um, represent mm, some idealistic, perfection, some platonic version of a mother-daughter relationship, which it's never been, right? I don't know that anyone has a platonic, you know, version of a mother-daughter relationship. I think they're all unique. Mm. And yet there was some, uh, like it was a dirty secret that Mm. it was complicated or not always Mm -hmm. easy. And that that made me lesser than and her lesser than. And oh, that's so yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to acknowledge the truth was to almost like shame both of you. And then, then absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and it's 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 fascinating. Like, where did that come from? Where did that come from? And there was some sort of, I I mean, I think shame lies in the secrets, right? Shame lies in the shadows. Shame lies in the, 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 the places that you don't bring light to. And one of the ways, you know, my entire life is not completely transparent. I have things that I keep private and, and I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. But by and large, like no one can hurt you if you're, if your secrets aren't secret, right? If you, because it, in the secret, there is a built in shame involved there. Yeah. 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 That's the distinction, isn't it? Between private and secret is shame. If it's private, it's that's, there's a neutral a neutrality to it. There's no big charge around it. But if it's secret, it's because there's something shameful. Otherwise, why, why is it a secret? So, yeah, and exactly. that's juicy. By definition, yes. Yes, well, and, and I, I think, think that's a great distinction that you pointed out. A huge part of, of what I feel uncomfortable with or what I felt uncomfortable with anyway, when you first asked me to do this was the idea that we were going to get on here and like say bad things about our mothers or about our relationships with our mothers or something. And it's interesting to, there's two things that I'm clear about. One is that that's never my intention. Both 
but like from a conscious place, like not because I'm afraid of what would happen, which I used to be, but, but because I genuinely love and respect and appreciate my mother. And that, that's like never my intention ever. Um, and, and additionally that so much of what has happened because of my complicated relationship with my mother is that I have learned about my own lack of responsibility or lack of maturity wherever my relationship with my mom has been complicated that's been there my my immaturity my um confusion about whose responsibility it was what my acting the role of a child um and so i'm really i think I couldn't have had this conversation with you until really kind of getting to that sense of feeling clear that like, actually, I don't, I, I also, not only do I not want to talk smack about someone that I love and respect, but I don't need to, like, that's not what's interesting about this. Like it, there's, there's no secret shame about my mother that I'm hiding or preparing to reveal here. It's really about me and the growth that I have been called to experience that my relationship with my mother highlighted that I could, I couldn't have seen or done any other way. So let's, let's dive into that personal responsibility place because I think it's, well, I know it's huge. And I, and I know from my personal experience, and I will say that I'm, I still get triggered by this, that if I, feel judged or feel like I'm being told I'm not showing up in the right way or doing life right by my mother in particular. Okay. Mm -hmm. That all I want to do is have a tantrum, like a little kid and be like, stop telling me I'm wrong. You can't tell me what to do. Right. And that is such a deflection Mm. of two things that you said, one being an adult Mm. and, and two personal responsibility, which I think is, is I think people can die not being an adult. Okay. I think people can go to their grave long life, but die not being an adult. And I think like Mm. to pose that to you, like, do you think being an adult is when you start taking personal responsibility for your life? for your feelings, for your actions, for your results. I mean, like that yes. it's not just a, 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 it's not just turning 18 and oh, being no. able to vote, right? Can I curse on this? Yes, you may I'm curse like, on this. No podcast. fucking way. Does it have anything to do with age? No way. Because I, what's the difference? Like, really, I would say in this conversation, I'm like, my adulthood has arisen in the last year and a half and I'm 40. And if I had not said yes to coaching and the work that I've done with our shared mentor and some of my other mentors, I would never have gotten here. I would not have figured this out. I would have been paying my rent. I would have been maybe even buying a house. I would have, you know, like a lot of things that look like adulting. I certainly had a real job and was making money and paying the bills and all that stuff, but emotionally still wanting to be taken care of, still wanting to be given approval from outside myself, still basically living out the program of a good girl or a good daughter. Stay with good girl. Yeah. Yeah. Good daughter falls inside that, that like came from outside me 
that was very outdated. It was just like, you know, the, the software continued to be upgraded, but the actual hardware was ancient. Like there was no reason to be using that technology anymore. Uh, no matter That's such a good analogy, right? Like our, our core beliefs, our core program is, is this hardware and it's not a program, whatever, but maybe the analogy breaks down there, but <laughs> the, that, that, that core place was, it was built when you were, you know, zero to, to seven, 10, and yet you're now 40, 50 and it's still running the show. And, you know, there's a lot of people that talk about, you know, inner child work and all that sort of stuff. But fundamentally, I think there's a consciousness that has to come through in terms of like, ultimately, are you going to blame your life on your parents? That's right. And, and that's just at this point in the game, guys, unacceptable. Okay. Like, I'm just going to say it out loud. It doesn't mean you don't look at that relationship. It doesn't mean you don't heal that relationship. You don't change things around it. You don't set boundaries. You don't um, clarify it. You don't work through the beliefs that were created when you were young. All of that has to happen. But the fundamental come from needs to be, I'm taking personal responsibility for my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm tired of being a victim and feeling trapped, being 40, being 50, and thinking that my parents ruined me, mm-hmm. right? Which, l- let me just raise my hand. That was some of the biggest work that I had to do, okay? And like, uh, so, so if you're listening to this and you're getting irritated with me and you're like, but you don't understand, she's a narcissist, she's a bipolar, she's whatever, okay? Mm-hmm. She's depressed, she's mm-hmm. trapped me, she's an alcoholic, she abused me, like, It's real. It's not that that's not, um, that that hasn't happened. It has happened. And now what? Mm -hmm. And now Mm -hmm. what? And I think that that's, that was the first decision for me. There have been many decisions, but that was the first decision that I had to make was victim, freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and, and that's like, you could say victim personal responsibility, but like yep. I choose freedom. Okay. Right. And personal, re- personal responsibility is always the door to freedom, always the pathway to freedom. Always. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think this conversation. I, I, it's like, of course, this is a deep conversation. But I just want to emphasize that I feel, I really feel like there's a lot of misconception about exactly the thing that you were just naming and the, the truth of trauma and that it happened. And that like, what we're talking about has, I would say, I, I, I'll speak for myself. I am not an expert in trauma. That is not what I'm here to serve and support. I think it's really important to work on trauma in its own right and that it deserves that attention and that everyone's healing is different, okay? Whatever that looks like, what I feel you and I, Amira, are talking about when it comes to personal responsibility and freedom is an entirely independent conversation. It is not a replacement for that trauma healing. It is not meant to in any way diminish or address what's happening over here. 
as I'm saying this, I'm like, I think I'm just reiterating what you just said, but it feels really important to reiterate it because I get from people that I really trust and respect, I get a lot of misconceptions around this that prevent them from actually hearing what we're talking about. And I, I really want to make a big, like a lot of space for those to be two separate conversations so that you and I can have the one that we're expert in having. Okay. So let's, let's, I have a question and then let's dive into our actual experience right. so that we can give people the context for, from which we are talking about all these sort of theoretical mm-hmm. um, Beautiful. concepts. Beautiful. Okay. So the, the first thing that I want to just play off of what you just said is a, really a question. And I don't know that I have an answer to this, but I'm interested in your answer mm-hmm. is, do you think the trauma work has to start first? Like, do you think you have to do it sequentially like trauma first and then the personal responsibility in your life work that we're talking about? Can they happen concurrently? Can you do the personal responsibility first and the trauma work second? It's a great question. I also don't feel like I have like the definitive answer. I think that I did them sort of simultaneously and in a, like it, it was not an organized linear progression. And I'm saying yeah. that also aware that perhaps it will like I got a dose. I, I was well into the conversation that we're having over the summer and not quite a year ago, but I had really come to a place of a lot of clarity by then and then got hit with like another dose of the intensity of the trauma and was like, oh, okay. And that happened because I was ready to heal that. I hadn't been ready to before. So I do, I, and if I were, if I had to put my stake in the ground next to something, it would be that they happen um, in and outside of each other and that they support each other and complement each other and have their own trajectories. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would agree. So for me, I will say that I was willing. So I was desperate to heal this relationship. And I don't know that I would say it's fully healed, but it's so much better now. Okay. Um, for many years without great tools, you know, I had gone to therapy, I had some decent tools, but was still triggered most of the time. And then when I went on this business journey and I really claimed, I am doing this freaking thing. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not dilly dallying. I'm not, it's not a hobby. It, it's like, I'm, I'm going for it now. And it was brought to my awareness that I had to do some work on this. Otherwise, I was going to be limited in my ability to succeed financially because that's what the metric was in my business initially was like, was I making my annual number, right? Mm -hmm. It it ultimately became about other things, but I'm very transparent about this. Like when I was first starting, I was doing good work and I really, that mattered to me, but the big goal was the the financial revenue. Mm -hmm. And it's, although financial revenue still very much in my, my goals, it's now impact, it's life, it's, it's, it's how I live, how relationships, all sorts of other things have, have taken a stronger, uh, position there. But when I was told this, this, what you're doing here, this isn't, this is incongruent with being successful over here. Mm -hmm. 
I was therefore more willing to take personal responsibility. I was already on a path of personal responsibility, but I was more willing because there was something it's you judge me for this if you want. Okay. But there was something more that I wanted that was worthy of going after. And one would say, isn't your relationship healing your relationship with your mother? Like the most important thing or one of the most important things, why was that not a, a motivating enough factor? But I'm here to say that on the surface, at least it, it wasn't. And, and I just one final thought, and then I'm going to hand the mic over to you. I've come to realize that my financial goal, when I was making that big quantum leap, and we both did this at roughly the same time going, you know, from low six figures to high six figures and then crossing the seven figure mark. Like when I was doing that, which was a massive, that was like some heavy freaking lifting. Okay. And, and, you know, running my business now is still, you know, there are challenges that, that come. It's not like, you know, rainbows and unicorns and all of that all day long, you know, hearts falling from the sky, you know? Really? Um, Amira, you're not, really? I don't, aren't there hearts falling just around you? Well, maybe actually, I kind of like that, like to have like a little energetic kind of yeah. like nobody yeah. can see it but me and, and mm. you can feel it though. Um, that, that although I claim that number, I now, from my position, looking back, I had claimed that I want to make a million dollars this year, right? And claiming that number was such a motivating thing for me. But in hindsight, I think it was the thing that I needed to latch onto because I really wanted these other things in my life. That's right. That, that have everything to do with relationships and environment. Mm -hmm. Those two things. Mm -hmm. Okay. And environment, I I'm, I'm taking liberties there. My physical adornment, I'm thinking of as part of my environment as well. Mm-hmm. Not totally. Just, yeah. I mean, I don't think I even realized that I needed to heal my relationship with my mom. What I, I the sort of before story. The before story in my 30s, let's say, okay, because there's an origin story too. But the before story with my mom was that we were incredibly um, close. I talked to her all the time. I talked to her about everything and anything. There weren't really any boundaries on what I wouldn't talk to her about. I assumed that I would talk to her about anything and everything. And I got annoyed with her um, and wanted more boundaries. I wanted to feel less obligated. I wanted to feel like more free, but I didn't, I don't think I had it in my mind that that, this is a funny thing to be aware of. I I was complaining about it, but not really believing it would ever change. Like I, it was like, and it was about the, it was about the obligation to share to, to, I didn't make the connection yet. I, I just felt, um, I think I felt emotionally responsible for everyone in my life at that time, but my mother and father in particular. Um, and so I was constantly like really from the time I was a teenager, kind of asking them, can you liberate me from this responsibility? Can you, 
can you tell me that I don't have to take care of you? I don't think I actually said those words, but that, that kind of thing. It showed up in a lot of different ways. And it took me now, I can say, probably about 25 years to realize that that's something that no one but me could give me. So I was going after them, looking for permission to be myself, to prioritize myself, to take care of myself. And just to give some credit to my parents, I'm pretty sure they both, at least some of the time, were like, sure, Jess, like, be free, you know? Like, it wasn't, it's not like there was such unconscious toxicity that I I had to do it all myself. And I think that's important to say, like both my parents are therapists. They're incredibly conscious, loving people. They're really smart. They're incredibly fun and interesting people. They're like, I feel so blessed to have had them as parents. And I was carrying around all kinds of baggage that I had associated with them. And that I do believe like came down through the lineage. It's not like, I just made up the idea to get codependent in this way. It came from, came from the lineage, but. So pause there so that people understand what that means. What does that mean? It comes from the lineage. Are you talking about generational? Yeah. Like, like. I want to acknowledge that there, there was codependency and that it didn't come from my parents either. Like, I don't, they, they came by it, honestly, just like I came by it, honestly. And here we were when I was almost 40 and I was just like, oh, well, fuck, like there's this codependency. It doesn't really matter anymore where it came from. It's here. It's here. And, and I could see, it took me forever, took me forever. I would so much rather have just blamed my mom for being needy and codependent and, unconscious and whatever, then just ignore, then just set the fucking boundary myself. That's the thing. That's like, oh, it's so nasty. I don't even want to say it to you, but that's the truth is that I got, I, I kind of like got into this story that like there was something wrong with my mom and that she was annoying or she was toxic or she was whatever, not good for me, that she was trying to take what was mine. She was trying to make, she would hate hearing all this stuff, but this is kind of where I got to. And, and I could have stayed there and been justified and fought for that story. And there would have been lots of people who would have agreed with me, but it wasn't taking me anywhere. And I, and it, it wasn't where liberation was or freedom mm -mm, was, mm -mm. right? No, there was no progress at all. This is the, you said something before that reminded me of this quote that most people would rather be right than have what they want. So there was that turning point where before the money, before the growth in the business, before this kind of feeling called to live our purpose, I'm, I'm lumping that together a little bit here, but I think this is fair, that we, we, we were still kind of operating with our mothers at least in this, I would rather be right I would rather be right that this relationship is just this way than have what I want, which is to actually have no exceptions. There are no exceptions in my life. I have healthy, positive, loving relationships, period. They're not perfect. They're not always comfortable, but I'm not going to make an exception anywhere. 
I'm not going to be like, well, because you're my relative or because you're this special person or because we have history with you, I'll be toxic. No, no, under no circumstances will I, I, Jesse Johnson, bring the toxic parts of myself as the primary offering in a relationship. I will not do that. And now sometimes go ahead. No, no, say that again. No, no. Do you feel like you still have toxic parts of yourself? Yeah. And do you sometimes bring that to the relationship? Well, I think sometimes as the first, like not as the first conscious giving, right. But yeah, they, they just, I'm going to just raise both hands. Okay. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm not just going to raise one hand, but I'm going to raise both hands that like, There's, I've gone through so much growth and I've taken so much responsibility. And sometimes I still, so you said something just a moment ago that I was like, I'm still doing that. Fuck, I'm still doing that. Um, And, and it just, I just have to own it. Right. You said, um, I'd rather be right than have what I want. And I'm like, oh, look at that. It just triggered something in my relationship. And I was like, oh, that's what I'm doing. That's painful to look at. For that split second, it's painful to look at. And then you're like, but that's what I'm doing. Okay, yeah, let's clean that up. Okay. Like that was me being, was unconsciously not bringing my best. I'm going to put it toxic in a Mm -hmm. little bit of a nicer packaging Mm -hmm. and say that was me not bringing my best. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was quite, hurtful. I I'm still, so, okay, let's, let's clarify for people boundaries. So, um, you, your experience with your parents, both of them, but particularly your mom was about not having boundaries. And, uh, many people talk about needing to set boundaries, particularly with their parents. And both you and I have, uh, set boundaries with our parents in different ways and for different reasons. And I think a lot of people think that someone has to be toxic or wholly wrong or. um, In order to set boundaries. In order to set boundaries. And, and, and I, I would like to, and I know that I was under that, misconception for a long time, but I think that there's a, a next level of awareness there where you step out of, I need to make this person wrong in order for me to get what I want. Okay. I, I can, I can create a boundary of what, what I'm available for and what I'm not available for without, um, a personality, a character assassination right? I'm not a hundred percent there. I have to say, I'm not a hundred percent there. Okay. Like I've gotten so much better at that, but there are times I love my mother. I just had a great conversation with my mother that I'm like, Oh my God, how is she like this? Right. And I go into like this little, this little thing. And then I try, I try my best. I, I work at it. I'm conscious about going, Oh, look there, there that is. Okay. I don't need to do that. Well, I was going to, I'm going to say this thing and I, I mean it in a 
descriptive, factual way, not in any way judgmental. But the whole time we've been talking, there's this framework that I have in the back of my mind. So I just want to put it in the front of our conversation, which is a developmental framework. And the oversimplified character version is that the role of the child is to do what they're told. The role of the adolescent is to break free and push against. And the role of the adult is frankly, like rather unclear. Having spent so much time in those first two roles. But my proposition is that the adult paradigm is neither of those things. It is by definition that which transcends both those things. I think that we, we all of us, we spend our first at least seven years completely immersed in our subconscious living the life of a child. So we get real good at the child role. That doesn't mean that we're necessarily good at doing what we're told, but our whole organism is designed to try to do what we're told in school, at home, at any kind of religious organization, community function, all that stuff. Then it is our developmental task as adolescents to stop doing that, to rebel, to push against what we're told to do, to do the opposite. And that's designed on a, like on a psychological level to help us become independent. It's meant to be the catapult that gets us into proper adulthood. Did you rebel as a teenager? I thought that I did, but I didn't. I thought that I did because I dated like bad boys and I shaved my head and my eyebrows and I wore crazy clothes and all that stuff. But the truth is that I mean, it's not nothing, but I was doing all that. Like my mom was with me when I shaved my eyebrows. I had parental approval for everything I did always. I, I, and I say that not because my parents were so approving, but because I was so attached and addicted to their approval that I insisted on it. I, I, I insisted that they give it to me or that I modify my behavior to get it. So that was the codependency. So when I hear you talking about the triggers the making someone wrong in order to set a boundary. What I hear is like, oh, that's that thing that we do when we're shifting from the childhood paradigm to the adult paradigm. Like that's a necessary step in the growth process. It's just not where we're meant to stay. And yeah, that's adolescence. Yeah, exactly. But it, you, you got to go through adolescence to get from being a child to an adult. I use this metaphor in a lot of different contexts. This one is rather literal, right? Because we are yeah. actually talking about growing up. But I do think that, that that piece really resonates for me, that if I am if I am looking for an excuse to set the boundary, if I'm looking for justification to set the boundary, I'm a little underdeveloped in that area. Because the yeah. truth is, as an adult, I don't need any explanation. I don't need any justification. I don't even need to understand it. I can just prefer not to have that activity thing experience in my life. And that's reason enough to, to have the boundary. Yeah. So do you want to, we can go there or we don't have to go there, but would you like to talk about the boundary that you set and how, how why you set it and sure. um, yeah, yeah. The, the reaction and what you had to go through? Cause I think it's a, it's a great, 
and and how because this is a podcast for women in business who are are building their business how let's start connecting the dots how this how this affected your money making okay your business building your scaling your growth your ability to do your purpose in this world Ooh. I mean this just touches everything so it's it's they're they're so connected these conversations I I was I was building my business. I was limited in my business because of how attached to the approval of others I was. I was I was a people pleaser. I was struggling to take no for an answer in sales conversations, which made me scared of sales conversations, which made me constantly slightly manipulative in sales conversations because I wanted to get the yes and was willing to sacrifice myself, was willing to, I mean, I don't think I actually had a proper understanding of what boundaries even are. So it wasn't that I was like crossing give my boundaries. Give people an example like of, didn't have of them. yeah, give me an example and, and the listeners an example of what that looks like in a sales conversation. And you guys, I teach sales as part of my coaching world and Jesse her whole entire business is based on teaching sales as a spiritual practice mm-hmm. and run, don't walk. Okay. Go, go look her up, find, <laughs> find, find her work. Okay. But yeah. it's this, I, I, you know, we haven't talked about this, so I don't know what you're going to say, but I, whenever Jesse and I talk about sales and the, the energetics of it, the, the come from the perspective, the, who you're being in the conversation, it's always enlightening. So listen up here, because if you're in business, you're in sales. Okay. That's my. We love you. We love you. I, I, and I could talk about this for hours. So just naming that we're going to, we're scratching the surface of all these topics. There's so much. Um, For me personally, I do think this is rather true of people in general, but I'll speak for myself. When I started having sales conversations, it was the first time that I realized how truly uninterested I was in what the other person was feeling, experiencing, and wanting. And I say this as someone who was an exquisite listener. Like, again, reminder, I had therapists for parents. Like, I learned how to perform emotional intelligence at the top of the game, I could have won the performance of it, but I genuinely only wanted what I wanted. So it was manipulation. A hundred percent of the time in the beginning, a hundred percent of the time. And I had no idea that I was manipulative and no one had ever said that to me before. I mean, never, I had never gotten that feedback. I had never seen that truth about myself. I had no idea that that was even a relevant thing for me to consider until I had sales conversations and saw, oh my God, I'm literally thinking about myself the whole time. I'm thinking about whether or not they like me. I'm thinking about whether or not I'm saying the thing that's going to get them to say yes later. I'm thinking about whether or not they're going to pay me. I'm thinking about how I can strategize to get them to pay me. Why do I even want them to pay me? Have I even considered if I want to work with them? Nope. <laughs> Nope. Do I know if I can help them? Nope. I'm not listening to that. When the manipulation motor is on, 
it's so loud. You, it's like you can't hear anything else. It's like a, one of those old school generators that you turn on when the power goes out. It's real loud. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was incredibly painful to see these ugly truths about myself in sales conversations. And it's what got me hooked. I was like, oh my God, there's, I've been meditating for a, over a decade and I didn't know this about myself. This is in every relationship. So then I started digging and over, over a period of a couple of years, like realized that this, this theme was very connected to my relationship with my parents and in particular, my mom, that I had learned how to do this, that I had practiced doing this with my mom. And for them, was manipulation, yeah, manipulation, people pleasing, lying to get people to like me. I'll get right back to my juicy conversation with Jesse in just a moment. But first, I wanted to let you know that if you're interested in breaking through the subconscious programming and patterns that were created in your childhood that not only limit your full self-expression and the better relationships that you want with everyone in your life, including, but not limited to your mother, as well as create hidden barriers to income generation, if you want to break through like that, just like Jesse and I did, I want to invite you to the Unstoppable Woman Income Breakthrough Summit, which is happening May 14th, 15th, and 16th. It's not too late to register, and all you have to do is go to theunstoppablewoman.com summit to register now. We'll be diving into what stops most people from making the kind of money that they actually want and we'll create a tactical scale to success plan so that you can hit your revenue goals now. I'd love to show you exactly what to do to get out of your own way and scale. Let's get that cash flow coming. Okay, hope to see you there. Now back to the conversation with Jesse. Okay, let's talk about what lying looks like. Just a little small small section here because I think people get confused. Are we talking about lying? Like I can do this for you, but really I can't, that kind of lie. Yeah. Are we talking about a small white lie? Are we talking about like lying about who we are? What what are you what are you talking about in terms of lying? Let's get really granular That's there. a great question. I am talking about The being, the line that happens in my being and the line that happens in my, uh, let's say my response. So like someone is like, hey, you want to do X, Y, Z? And I absolutely do not. There's no part of me that wants to. But when that manipulation motor is on, I won't even know that I don't want to. I will immediately say yes, of course. Yes, of course. Oh, of course I want to do that with you. I have no desire to do that with you. That's a lie. And now, yeah. And they lie unconsciously. Generally, yeah. They lie to themselves Both. and they lie to others. That's right. Totally. That's right. Okay. So then how, connect that to the boundaries that you set with your parents and particularly your mom. The long story short, it was like the dysfunction that I didn't want to deal with. I did not want to set boundaries with my mom. I was terrified. I was terrified of the, it was irrational. It was not a pre-verbal kind of terror. Like I would die or she would die, or it was just like too, too horrible to even imagine. 
if I set any boundaries with her, really, if I was truthful about my, my, my desires for my life in, in our relationship, it just felt really scary to me. Um, scary enough that I would, I would, I would rather have a meltdown sobbing in my coach's conference room than just do it. Then just call her and say, mom, I'm not, I'm not going to see you this trip or mom. I'm not, I'm not going to make the trip to come visit you this time. I'll see you later, but not this time. Like anything that I thought she would not be pleased by sent me into a massive meltdown. Like I'm, no one has seen this except my coaches. Like I have to be really clear. You haven't seen this, Amira. People that I work with, no one has seen this part of me. Even Sri, my husband, I don't think has seen. Like I've only done this with my coaches. It's so Let's talk about how liberating that is, though, for a moment. So, okay. A little side tangent, because okay. I had the same experience. Okay, parallel paths. Yep. As I shake my hair, head a little bit uncomfortably. But like for three years, I went three times a year and had VIP days and like absolute like breakdown mm-hmm. for the breakthrough, right? Mm-hmm. I, I actually don't like that expression for some reason, but it was, it was, cathartic to move through this stuff at such a deep core level. Mm. And that was a, Mm. I think that's a truth telling. And I think that's something that you and I have in common, like we're, it's painful. Like those were painful experiences and yet incredibly cathartic. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Right. It's interesting hearing you describe it because the conclusion I for sure agree with, I, I couldn't, I, I don't have any regrets in my life. Um, but I did not experience any of these moments as liberating. These were the most uh, this was me and my most resistant. This was me and my most triggered. This was me and my most um, regressed. Like, I think actually if my mom had seen me in these moments, she would have had tremendous compassion for what I chose to do. She would have understood better. It was like a two-year-old walking around in a 38-year-old body. Like really, really, really troubling, troubling dysfunction and inability to, to find any path out was like, I, I dissolved. Jesse Johnson dissolved. The soul of me dissolved. And all that was left was this fear of being, of, of being alone, I think, and shamed and dying as a result. It was completely irrational. And that made it for me even harder to work with. Cause it was like, I was looking for, that's probably part of why I did blame when I blamed, because it was like, I need something to hang on to here. Like (laughs) somebody's got to be doing something wrong. Otherwise, what the fuck is happening to me? Like what, how can I be, how can I disappear like this at the thought, not actually doing it, just the thought of saying no to my mom. And then you said no in quite a big way. I'm like, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm giving you the underhanded pitch there. So, so 
I, I resisted for a really long time. I didn't know how to do this for a really long time. And, and then push came to shove. And I, I really did believe at this moment that I could not move forward in my life or my relationship or my business if I did not figure this out. And I, and I told my mom that I needed to not talk to her for six months. And I got a lot of support from my coaches to be able to communicate that honestly, that it wasn't something that she had done. I did not blame her. I was not making her wrong in any way. And I just was really clear that I needed this. That, that by the way, like that cleanness, that personal responsibility helped me take this action. I don't think that I could have actually cut her off while blaming her personally. The night that I did that, I felt my true love for her for the first time in years. It was like immediately all the resentment, all the fear, all the bondage, all the dysfunctional stuff in our relationship. There just wasn't any need for it anymore. I didn't need that stuff to protect me. And I got to feel what I actually feel for her. It was like there was space for me to really feel the love that I have for her. And... I ended up not talking to her for a year. No, no communication at all. There was no, you know, I blocked her on social media. If I, I had some family members that reached out to me to try to coerce me to talking to her, I, I was unavailable for that. I told them that if they, if they continue, that topic was off limits. Um, and how far into it were they doing that? Was that at the very beginning throughout. or further in yeah. throughout? I mean, I will say that I definitely felt like I was, there was, there was an aspect of that. Knowing what I know now, I would do the whole thing differently, but I don't think I could have learned what I learned any other way. So, so I chose a path that was rather aggressive on my side and, um, catalyzed a fair amount of attack, I would say, on the side of those people who love her and wanted her to be happy. Um, it was very hurtful for her. And anyone who loved her wanted her to not hurt. And so they were, the, then their manipulation motors turned on and tried to get me to change my mind. Mm -hmm. And it was really challenging for me to, you know, not give a lot of energy to that. It was real tempting to get hooked that, in. 100%. How did that, um, what happened to your business? What happened to your other relationships? What happened to, you, you talked about how your love just exploded. Mm -hmm. that, that's amazing and beautiful. I think that I, I, there are some aspects of this that are actually not that romantic. Like I just had the space to figure out who I am. Yeah. And a lot of that I had thought, like I kind of had hypotheses about, but I actually got to experience it. Um, and I want to be clear that wasn't because my mom wasn't in my life. That was because I was prioritizing me even if it meant that she wasn't in my life, like I was, it was like, I, I really got unapologetic about my devotion to myself and my purpose and my own relationship with God. And 
just kind of took that to the extreme. So, so, I mean, my business did great. There was a, there was a, a lot of struggle and inconsistency and just kind of grief and drama in my business before that. And after that, all that fell away and is still like that, that level of drama just has never returned. Um, I feel like, I also feel like I actually understand what love is. And I don't think I ever did before really in, in, at least in human relationships, maybe I understood it in my relationship with God, but I don't think I really got it with human beings. So I think that, um, she might not ever agree with this or, or be able to experience this, but I know the truth that I love my mom truly as a human now, not as a, not as a role, not as a program, not as a performance, but like truly because I did that, because I took that space for myself. I love it. And, okay. and for those who are curious, like Jesse Johnson coaching makes multiple six figures a month for a multi seven figure business like that, just to put that into perspective, like before, before setting these boundaries and prioritizing myself, there was a real struggle built in, even though Jesse Johnson coaching was doing well as a company from the outside, like the inside was pretty troubled. Um, and, and getting a lot of, there was just a lot of struggle. And after that, that completely changed. I love it. I love it. I think that is a beautiful, um, is the word dedication honoring of mother's day, mm -hmm. right? Like what a gift that is. Mm -hmm. And it's, I feel a little bit of a forlornness. Maybe that's the wrong there. There's a little something. Um, I'm not sure what that is, but that seems like a really beautiful outcome. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I, I, I wanted to share this with you and I don't remember this might've been the place where you were like, don't say anything until the podcast. But I, I, I had this. And by the way, I, I say that because I want to hear it for the first time. I want to be in the conversation, not just repeating the conversation. Yes, of okay. course. Um, but I, in the last year became friends with a woman who is a mom and has three boys who are in, two of them in high school, one of them in his first year in college. And we've talked a lot about this, this, like I have been friends with her throughout the time that I wasn't talking to my mom and then choosing to let my mom come back into my life and reignite our relationship. And, and an enormous transformation happened for me in this relationship. As I heard her describe the experience of reaching for her boys, wanting more, being kind of needy with them, and having them reject her and say no. And learning through that dynamic that when she was like extra grabby, they wanted to get further away from her. And that she was just like, they, you know, they taught me, like they taught me where the balance was. And as I listened to her, I heard her describing exactly the behaviors that I had previously judged my mom for 
And I heard her describing exactly the behaviors that I had never done with my mom. And it was a massive awakening for me to realize like, oh, it was my job to say no. It was my job to like be an adolescent and push back. And it was because I didn't do that when I was 13, 14, 15, 16, that I then had to do it in such an enormous way at 38. That was important for me to understand. Like there was a real healing in actually owning that. Like, oh, this was on me. Not to make myself bad or wrong. There's reasons why I didn't do it when I was in high school. Like I- but For that personal responsibility yeah, piece. Yeah, yeah. And I'm bringing that up because why didn't I do it at some level, like at a really simple level, because it's painful. So this forlornness that I feel like you're speaking to, it's just the truth that our, I don't, I don't actually believe that any mother daughter relationship isn't complicated. I think they're all complicated because all relationships are complicated and there's pain and forlornness and sorrow and grief and dissatisfaction and disconnection in all relationships and we can choose to pretend that there's not or we can choose to lean into the truth that that's there when we lean into the truth that that, that it's there it it is painful because that's that's what we're leaning into the truth of is the part that's painful and i yeah. i think that's the radical work that you and i have become so masterful at doing is just being willing yeah. to be with whatever is and sometimes that's not so easy, you know, I, I will say that it's, I, I will own that. It's not that easy all the time. Like, I think there's an after picture that we're showing here. And I think you've also shared that it's, it's complicated all the way through as well. Yeah. I think it's worth it. I had a different, uh, very different experience. I was that adolescent who pushed back, who was like, fuck no, mm -hmm. you know, yep. see ya. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and my mother came chasing. Mm -hmm. She didn't, she wasn't like your, your friend. Mm -hmm. Um, and that becomes a different kind of complicated than what you experienced. And, um, and it, it's been very important for me to learn how to love mm -hmm. and not always react to use your framework, react as either the child or the adolescent, right? Mm -hmm. the, like the child was like, okay, I'm just going to do what she says. The adolescent's going to be like pushing her way. Mm -hmm. And how do you, how do you do that? Now I had to create boundaries that um, were, were similarly intense. It wasn't no contact, but it was, these things are off limits in our relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and I will say that my story is a little bit different than yours. I had to create outer boundaries because my inner boundaries were not clear. It was that I was not strong enough on the inside, clear enough on the inside, um, mm -hmm. knowing how to handle the energy, the emotion, the conversation, the ask. I didn't know how to not be the child who just said yes 
or not be the adolescent that just said F you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I had to set clear boundaries that these topics are off limits Mm -hmm. and that wasn't, you know, respected because there was a consequence to that, you know, like to set a clean, clean boundary, there needs to be a consequence to, if you break that boundary. Um, and that was hard for my mother. I think she felt, um, like that meant that I didn't love her Yeah, and I had to experience how painful it was to have your mother feel like you didn't love her. Right. And all those sort of wrong arrows, blame arrows, guilt arrows that come with that and, and, and how to learn internally how to manage that. And that was an incredibly powerful experience because I had been doing it. Unlike I, I have a slightly different story. Unlike you, I felt like I had been doing that in all these other areas of my life, but this one area was this blind spot for me. Mm-hmm. And I really needed to, to clean that up and become stronger there. And I think that boundary has helped. And I have slowly been testing probably without enough conscious agreement, you know, articulated agreement, but I've been slowly testing what it's like to allow a little bit more in that realm. It's been two or three years now. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it's not a testing. Sure enough. It's a testing of her. How does she show up? Mm -hmm. But fundamentally it's a, it's a testing of me to back to the point that we talked about earlier, which was like, can I take personal responsibility? Can I be in this conversation and not blame? Can I not make her wrong? And, and sometimes I succeed and sometimes I don't. And that's been really Mm. um, fascinating to watch. And, and I appreciate, I appreciate that. And, and my experience is, is with someone who you, it sounds like you didn't respect your boundaries. It wasn't necessarily your mother, not respecting your boundaries. And she, she didn't even know that I had them. Right. You didn't have boundaries. There were no boundaries to be respected. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I had a situation where I had clear desires once and, and they weren't being respected mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to deal with that. I had no idea how to deal with that, how to be in relationship with someone who didn't respect your boundaries. And that affected everything in my life, Mm -hmm. my love relationships, my friendships, um, my sense of satisfaction and happiness, how I did sales calls, right? If, if, If you don't know how to deal with someone who doesn't respect your boundaries, how can you hold space in a sales conversation? How can you direct a sales conversation? Mm -hmm. How can you lead? How can you help someone who, for whom you have no clarity about where you stop and they, they start. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or or what's expected of you. And, and, Mm -hmm. and with client relationships as well, a lot of people, 
who listen to this podcast have service-based businesses. You're dealing with, you're not, it's not just a product. You're not selling a dress in a store and never seeing your client though. Sometimes you might, right. But you're, you're, you're in a service-based business and you know, if you don't know how to create a a loving boundary, but a clear boundary, a boundary that doesn't make someone else wrong, you are, you're going to, be in that place where, and I'm sure you've had lots of clients like this, they're over delivering. They fear that they're going to, you know, if they don't jump through the hoops that this other person needs you to jump through because of any number of reasons Mm -hmm. that they're going to lose something. That's And for me, it came back to, I'm going to lose my mother's love if I don't jump through these hoops. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think she, she ever thought of it as jumping through hoops. She just thought of it as like, could you please call me every once in a while? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like, uh, or could you come at, at five instead of three? Right. Uh, but my little child mind and adolescent mind felt that as jumping through hoops. And if, if you don't have clear boundaries there, what that other person says, the client, you'll start jumping through a thousand and one hoops. And then suddenly you're getting paid $10 an hour, even though your business calls in 500 K a year, right? Because you have no boundaries and you're driven by fear. You're driven by the, the, the fear of losing that connection, losing love, losing that sense of belonging and security and, um, connection. I mean, I, I love hearing you speak about this because it's helping me also recognize some more I'm definitely going deeper into my understanding of the impact of, of my choices on the rest of my life and my business. And this one, I would say still that it's like my favorite thing when my clients are disappointed in me or angry with me or feeling neglected or something like that. It is still a strong preference that they feel good and that they feel supported and met. Having said that, I also think that it's one of my better and more unique skills that is directly connected to this, that I'm, I'm not trying to actually limit how they feel, in particular, how they feel about me, to make me more comfortable. And so I'm doing my job all the time. Like I'm doing my best, I'm bringing my best all the time. I'm absolutely devoted to this work and I, I do great work. But me doing great work is not particularly related to how my clients feel about the work or how they feel about me. Those are independent variables. And um, when you were talking about this fear of losing love, what came for me is like, it's a guarantee. Like at some level, it's not, it's the, when we break free from being afraid of losing love, it's not that we get free of losing love. It's that we get free of, of I almost want to say minding, but that's not quite it. But it's like, no, we're going to lose love. People are not always going to like us. And, and they're going to tell us. And we're going to feel what it feels like to have someone that we care about not feel the way that we would want them to feel. That's, I don't think there's any way to soften that or make that look pretty, except that getting free in that way feels real good. Yeah. 
So I might have a slightly different experience, but I, there's some crossover here. So I think that, well, my experience of my business is with my clients, although I love when, when they're, uh, well, I love when they're slaying and succeeding. That's, that's the truth, but I love when they slay and succeed and give me thank you so much. Right. The, the credit, the gratitude, the appreciation, all of that, that feels really good. And when they're not succeeding, when they're struggling, because there's, you know, there might be a trajectory that, that goes from here to here, but there's, you know, ups and downs along the way. I don't take that personally. And I don't take that as anything to do with me. I don't feel that loss of love piece there. Mm -hmm. And I, unless they're talking smack behind my back, I don't have a lot of clients who are, who come to me and, and upset Mm -hmm. that hasn't been my experience. However, and this is where we have different experiences. And I think it's really potent in that world. I'm very, I feel very clean and very, um, there's, there's no wonk there Mm -hmm. with my mother. That's less clear. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's still, I would say there's still a hook for me. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is a really interesting topic. I think that I am so much freer, so much more liberated, but the way you speak about your relationship with your mother is like, I feel like you've gotten to the other side of that. Mm -hmm. And like, you have super freedom there. And maybe, um, I think you're also saying you feel free in your, your business relationship, but it's more, it's a little Mm -hmm. bit messier. And for me, I feel not messy in my business, super clear there, but not, not, it's still Mm. messy in my relationship with my mother. And so I wouldn't, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing I'm actually thinking about human design and the idea I've been thinking about this, this whole time, (laughs) the idea that we're right. Like we're all unique. We're all different. Yeah. So it's, can I just share Jesse? So I did this human design reading this weekend with, uh, Richard Beaumont. Let's give him some cred. Mm-hmm. Um, Brilliant, man. Jesse turned me on to him and I just had this amazing reading. And one of the things that my design shows is that I do not like to be controlled. Like that is a, I mean, in, in the program, in the pattern, I do not like to be controlled at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was that? I I was birthed into a family with a family dynamic that was all about this. Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, mm-hmm. and he had so many interesting t- things to say about my mother could see right through me and knew exactly when I wasn't telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And, but I wouldn't tell the truth because I didn't want to be controlled. Mm-hmm. Right. And I didn't have any boundaries and I would push away. So I would, it wasn't that I would lie, but I wouldn't say the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, that was going on inside my head mm-hmm. and that she would always know. And that is such, I was like, how do you know that? Oh my God. Um, but that is so true. And I did not know how to create because I didn't want to be controlled, but I wanted the love and she wanted to get in there. And I didn't want that to be how, how 
the relationship was organized, I fought this. Okay. And it makes so much more sense. Uh, it's a really fascinating, uh, unveiling. So anyways, what were you going to say about human design? The fact that we're all different, it's not only that we're different from each other, the way that we meet all those meetings are different also. And so, you know, some people can meet us in a way that feels particularly satisfying and other people cannot. And the whole concept that that's mechanics, that that's the way that we're built and not something that we learn or something that we can develop, but actually just like fundamentally, you will never wanna be controlled. That will never feel good to you. And, and perhaps fundamentally, your mother always wants to be in control. And that that's simply mechanics and it will work really well. Like she'll have really good relationships with those same parts with other people who don't mind being controlled or who actually want to be given direction in the way that she gives it. And you, like, in other words, kind of not making any of it wrong and at the same time acknowledging, like, but also these things don't work together very well. I love in human design, the the phrasing, Mm -hmm. that is correct, that is not correct. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. It's like, that is correct for you. Yeah, yeah. For you, that is correct. Yeah. For you, that's not correct. That's right. And because it takes all the value judgment out of it. Yeah. It takes all the right and wrong out of it. It takes all the blame out of it. It takes that, that intense, emotional, traumatic story out of it. Yes. Okay. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, that just wasn't correct for you. Yes. And that is liberation. That is freedom. That is, that is such personal freedom. So I think- yeah we're coming, the work that we do with our clients comes at it it, it, from a different angle, but I think that's an important aspect to it. Okay. So I'm going to, let's, I'm going to land the ship, land the plane. Okay. (laughs) And we've gone in a lot of different directions here. Mm. Um, A couple final questions. Mm. What's most inspiring to you about your relationship with your mother? Mm. What are you most grateful for? Mm. And maybe this is the same question. What it, what have you, okay, I'm going to frame it differently. What is most inspirational about your relationship with your mother? And what are you most grateful for learning through your relationship with your mother? It's inspiring to me that we grow. And, and I, I have equal shout outs for both of us in this arena, like how much I have stepped in and said yes to growth specifically in that relationship is it, is an inspiration. I don't, I, I could have lived many lives where I didn't say yes to this. And she has done in a very different way. She has done the same. Um, it's not how I would want it. It's not on my terms. It's not on my timing. There's all kinds of things about it that like, if she would only do it the way that I want it, it would be very different. But I still, I gotta give like both of us massive, massive credit for our willingness to continue to grow, to continue to open, to continue to learn and change. 
um, not just because change is demanded of us, but because we actively choose it. Um, and thank you for asking that question, because I, I do think that that's something that I'm grateful for. I'm, I think that's part of why we get to have the relationship that we have now, because we've both said yes to that change and growth together. And wait, what was the, did I just answer all the questions or was there another one? You answered okay, both great. of them. Yes. Great. All in one great. wrapped in a nice, pretty bow. Um, so any last words that you'd like to share with the audience about mm -hmm. uh, mother stuff? I, yeah. The thing that, the thing that I've been feeling as we close is the truth that I all, all the material that I see in all my relationships touches my relationship, my original relationship, which is my mom. And, and so I propose that that's true for all humans. And the second piece to layer in is that where the, the place that I see people stop when it comes to their personal development, when it comes to their business growth, when it comes to living their fullest life, their freest life, their biggest service, their biggest impact, 100% of the time has to do with relationship. They stop when relationship is threatened in some way, real or imagined. What a freaking cutie, Jeez Louise. Thank you. And For those listening on the audio, my dog just came to visit. So yeah. cute. So, so I just want to bring that back full circle, like the, the invocation that everyone that's hearing this, and particularly if they're still with us and listening to this part, to trust that there's, there's food for you, there's nourishment for you in this work, and that you can't do it wrong, and that whatever you choose will be worth, you know, whatever discomfort you experience will be, will be worth it for the freedom that you're standing for. Um, I, I couldn't, I love that. Couldn't have done it without this. Couldn't have done this work without it. And, and I actually also want to shout out David Nagel and Marla Mattinson, who were two of my most important mentors, Steph Tusk, Ken Blackman, um, throughout this process, Joan Wittig, really, really important yeah. to have them in my life. To support me. I think that's such a beautiful, beautiful aspect to, to the journey we've been on, how many people we've worked with and learned from and grown from. And to your point, just to like close the loop there, it's about relationships. Mm -hmm. And there are different relationships that we have. And it's very interesting to go through a mentorship, um, experience because that relationship is a different kind of relationship and it, it allows you to show up in a different way. It allows you mm -hmm. your vulnerability and your strength in a different way and your wisdom in a different way and your learning and your growth in a different way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and this primary relationship with our mothers is, is a big aspect for how we show up in those relationships and every relationship. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much, Jesse, for sharing your story, your thoughts. My, can you hear my dog freaking out? Let's have a little moment here. Okay. <laughs>
can do that again. So one moment, please. Thank you, Jesse, for, for showing up, for spending all this time with us, for your, for your wisdom, for your willingness to think on the spot and evaluate, you know, some of these diff, uh, deeper things, these things that you've gone through and to, to share your thought process as you're thinking it through mm-hmm. in this moment with an audience. And that is one of my most favorite things about you is your, your honesty, your transparency, your genuineness, mm-hmm. and your depth of, of thought. So Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And for all of you out there who are listening, who have um, some version of a complicated relationship with your mother, I think it's really important to do this, this work that we've just touched on in the description of our process of how we went through this. And uh, if you're interested in doing this kind of work more deeply, seek out people, whether it's Jesse, whether it's me, whether it's someone else mm-hmm. there, this is powerful work and it will help you find your freedom in this world, be, be whole in this world and not feel that sense of being trapped and limited and like some, some huge loss is going to happen if, if you step into being who you are. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to step into, to being a, grown-ass woman mm-hmm. right like to be a little pop-off at the end yeah. but like step into that adult adulting and that personal responsibility and and it's an ongoing journey so um take that step okay my love thank you thank you thank you that's an honor amira okay. i love you i love you too Ever feel like you're swimming upstream and that there's got to be an easier way to make money and scale your business? Well, it's time to get out of your own way and eliminate that confusion and overwhelm. Join us at the Unstoppable Woman Income Breakthrough Summit, where I'll show you exactly what's required to scale quickly and how to apply the universal laws to your business. Learn more and grab your ticket at theunstoppablewoman.com slash summit.